Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Last week, um, you know that we started at 2 Peter last week, um, and so we're continuing through the letter of 2 Peter. This morning we'll be hearing God's Word from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 12 to 20, chapter 1, verses 12 to 21. So last week, as, as Peter started his second letter to the churches all around the area, to different Christians and different churches, not to a specific place, but really to all a variety of different churches um, across Asia, getting towards the end of his life, he reminded us last week that everything is from God, that God is the one who, takes it, who has come down to get us out of the pit and set us up on the land that we can run. He did not simply drop a ladder down for us to climb up and work it out ourselves. He picked us up and he makes us run by his spirit, by his union with us. He's put himself inside of us so that we can run and change and be different and serve him and be used by him for his kingdom. And I mention that specifically because today in the second half of this chapter, verses 12 to 21, it begins with therefore. And you can never say therefore unless you know, you know what it's there for. So... We had to talk about that about where it came before. So today, Peter's giving us another implication of that. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us that God has done it all, that it all comes from God, that God has saved us and God has made us able to change and God has filled us with his spirit and his life. So listen now, to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 21. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, uh, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone else's, someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sureness of it, that we can have confidence in it, that, it's, that it has been passed down to us, that through this word you speak by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now? Would you make this word not merely information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, thinking deep into us and changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You might have noticed, I have my mystery bag. I didn't have it last week. I felt bad, so I had to bring it again. I have two things in the mystery bag. I'm not going to keep you waiting. 
I have in here, I have a book, the big book. What matters is that it's a book. And I have here an iPad. So if you think about these, these things both have something in common. If you think of the iPad as a game playing device, that's not what it has in common with the book. But if you think of the iPad as a source of information, both of these are sources of information. Now, which one of these is a better source of information? That's a tricky question, right? Because this iPad has vastly more information than this book does. This one book has, I mean, it's kind of thick, but still, it's just about one particular topic. It's about the narrative of the Bible, the mission of God. It's a good book. Um, this iPad has access to all the information in the world. Trillions and trillions and trillions of digital bytes of information accessible through this iPad. But what's the problem with this? It's wonderful that we have all this information, right? All this information at our fingertips. But the problem is, there's too much of it. At least when I pick this up, I know what I'm reading about. The other problem is, we don't know whether it's true. There's so much information out there that we can't even sort through it all. We don't know who put it there, how it got there, how accurate it is. This book may or may not be exactly right in all its particulars. But at least we know that some reputable publishing company, University Press Academic, put it together and paid for it and distributed it to the Covenant Seminary bookstore where I bought it a number of years ago. It's solid and reliable in that sense. Stuff on here, we have no idea. It was one of the challenges of our modern society, made even worse with artificial intelligence and the deep fakes, as they call them, where they can now not only alter pictures, but alter voices and videos, and you have no idea whether what you're looking at is true or not. But here's the thing. This is not a modern problem. This is actually an always problem. Because this problem of what is true and how can we know what is true is the exact problem that Peter is addressing in his letter. So when he finished giving this call to, you know, God has done this all for you, and so therefore you can have these qualities of faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly love, and you can be a good person out doing good things for God's kingdom, the question that, that, should, that is reasonable in all of our heads, the question that was there for Peter's listeners, the question that was in Peter's own mind is, really? You sure about that? Are you sure the things that you're saying is, are true? That's really what Peter is addressing this morning in this section of his letter, is how do we know that it's really true? How do we know that this Christian religion, this Jesus religion, this Jesus teaching, how do we know it's really true? And Peter's answer to that is, hey, we know it's true because God himself came down. That's, what, that's the central thing. That's what he's talking about. If you're, uh, if you're familiar with your Bible, you may have recognized the story that Peter is referencing. If not, you may not have. But in verses 16 and 17 and 18, when he talks about, we did not follow cleverly devised myths, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. 
See, Peter is talking about a story that is reported back in the Gospels. And kids, if you're following along on your clipboards, this is the coloring picture. It's the picture that says Jesus revealed his glory. It's the story we call the transfiguration. When Jesus took just three of his disciples with him up on a mountain, he took Peter, James, and John. So he took Peter, Peter, the guy who wrote this. He took them up on the mountain, and there they had this amazing experience where Jesus talked with Moses and Elijah, the great heroes of the Old Testament, and the heavens opened up, and they heard the voice of God saying these exact words. This is my beloved son. And what Peter is saying to, to his first listeners and saying then down through the centuries to us is that God himself came down. God himself came down and I saw him. This is, this is Peter as an old man. This is Peter knowing that he is, I mean, he's actually not that old, but he knows he's going to die soon because Jesus told him that he was going to be killed for his faith. He was going to be led away. And he was. Um, he was crucified, just like Jesus, except he story has it that he was crucified upside down, for he would not be crucified the same way as his Lord. Fun little tidbit there. Um, but, but Peter was crucified for his faith, and he knew that was coming. And he said, this is what I have got to tell you. I have got to tell you that this is real. I have got to tell you that this is not just some philosophy. This is not something that came out of the philosopher's discussions. This is not something that some human figured out for himself or herself or some group of people came up with. This is real. The beauty and the glory and the hope of Christianity is that God himself came down. Everything else comes from this. God came down in the person of Jesus Christ. He was real. He was seen. He was touched. He really lived. He really died. He really rose again. All these things were real. And Peter wrote it down. Peter was there. And he says, look, because of this, everything else holds together. So that's great, right? It's great, but what, what do we do with that? Okay, it's real. What Peter tells us to do with that then, Peter says, because God himself came down, because we saw him, because we are confident in this, we can hold to his word. Because that's where Peter goes with it. He says, look, I saw him. I wrote down what he said. I told my friend Mark. Mark wrote it down in his gospel. I'm writing this in my letter. He'll go on shortly in, in this letter to reference Paul. Say all the things that Paul wrote. All the things he talks about right here, the prophets of the Old Testament. He says, all right, it's real. God came down. We saw him. He lived. He proved it. And it's written down. So hold on to this word because it's solid. So we've got, we know, we feel so much uncertainty in our world, so much information that we don't know what to do with, that we don't know how reliable it is. And yet we have something solid to hold on to. Just as much as, as Peter's first listeners were competing with all kinds of different Roman gods, Greek philosophy, and all kinds of other thoughts back then, we have just the same issues today. And we need his word more than ever. So why does this matter? Why does it matter that God came down? Why does it matter that we can hold on to his word? Three reasons that Peter lays out for us here in the sections. We dig into it deeper, but briefly. So the first one is we forget the truth that we know. 
This is why it matters. We forget the truth that we know. Secondly, it matters because we have the prophetic words. And thirdly, it matters because we have the Holy Spirit. We forget the truth, we have the prophets, and we have the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter lays out for us, for what it means to us that God came down, why we needed him to come down, what difference it makes in our lives. First, he goes to tell us, to remind us that we forget. It's right there at the beginning. Verse 12, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Verse 13, I think it right to stir you up by way of reminder. Verse 15, I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. You may be able to at any time to recall these things. How many of you here grew up in church in some context and memorized a lot of Bible verses? Any of you, we got, we've got some Bible memory people. Do you know that my, my father did a thing called Bible quizzing? Many of you heard of Bible quizzing? Some, some of you have heard of Bible quizzing. So Bible quizzing is where you memorize massive portions of Scripture. And then you go into, it's like a quiz bowl. It's like a Jeopardy type setting. And they ask you questions, and, and you have a team, and you have to answer them based on the words of Scripture. And you just, it's memorized questions, it's memorized Scripture. My father memorized the entire book of Mark, and I think the entire book of John. And these things matter. These things stick with you. It's not just to win. They were good. They went to like national Bible quiz tournaments. Um, but, uh, But it's not just to win Bible quizzing. It's not just to pay your way to camp. Roland, you paid your way to camp with Bible verses, right? That's right, yeah. It's not just to pay your way to camp. We, these things matter. And I love that, like, to me, this is Bible memory, Bible quizzing right here in the Bible. This is Peter saying, hey, I'm writing this down. I'm making every effort so that you can recall, so that those words will come back to you. And here's the thing about it. We need this because we forget. How easily do we doubt? How easily do we wonder? I I wonder all the time. Like, really? This is hard. When life gets hard, you wonder whether it's true. When life gets hard, you wonder, how could God let this happen? And that can either be in the, in the small scale, like today is a hard day. Like, God, why couldn't you just make today easier? Or in the big picture, why is there suffering in the world? And we can get so wrapped up in, these, in this hardship and these doubts. We need something that grounds us. And Peter's saying to us, hey, your doubts, your uncertainties, your fears, those are normal. You have to be reminded. We have to be reminded. So these things that we memorize, if we memorize them as children, do you know it's not actually so much so that you can recall later on the exact words of it? It's that those things have gone deep inside of you. Here at Resurrection, we don't do... Um, we don't do a, a specific program of Bible memory or Bible quizzing or that kind of thing. But in our Sunday school class, we do teach kids the catechism. And the catechism is a summary of biblical teaching in a question and answer format. And one of the things I love about the catechism is that it just, it just sinks those answers deep into you. That you don't really have to like muddle out all the questions of how the Trinity works. But you know deep within yourself in how many persons, is there more than one true God? 
No, there is only one true God. In how many persons does this one God exist? In three persons. Name these three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, there you go. You, don't, you, you can get lost in the details, but deep inside of you is a core truth that's also reflected here in 2 Peter, by the way. We've got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all here, all working together. More on that in a moment. But, but you have this core truth that is deep inside of you. And we need that so much because we forget the truth. So what do you do with that? If we know that we forget the truth and you say, well, that's great for those people like your dad, Jimmy, that memorized Mark and John as a child or other people who raised their hands, but I didn't do that. And I've forgotten those, so what can I do now? And what you can do now is you can take up and read. It is never too late to start reading the Bible, reading it. You can use the, the, uh, the daily prayer project guides that, again, are not on the back table because they didn't come, but they should be here this week, I promise, and I can send you a PDF. You can use those as a scripture reading plan. You can just use your own plan of just reading through books of the Bible, letting it soak into you. You, too, can memorize scriptures. The Women's Bible Study on Thursday morning is reading through the whole Bible this year, getting it deep inside themselves. There's a podcast that goes along with it to explain it to you, even if you can't make it there on Thursday mornings for the discussion. So all these things are there. Pick up and read. That's what Peter is telling us. We forget, so we pick up and read. We read God's word that it may sink deep inside of it. What is this word? That's the second thing he's telling us, that this word, you may be thinking reasonably enough, you're like, wait, Jimmy, you said the whole thing here is that God came down, and now you keep talking about the Bible. Like, what's the connection between God came down as a historical event and the Bible? And Peter is the one who makes this connection. He says it in verse 19. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. And then he goes on to talk about the prophets and how they didn't write on their own, but they wrote through the Holy Spirit. And so what Peter is saying here is that we have the prophetic word confirmed. Because for Peter, all throughout his growing up years, as a good Jewish person in first century Palestine, he had what we now know as the Old Testament, what simply they called the Scriptures, or you, some people call the Jewish Bible. And what it was is the words of the prophets. And they believed them. They had them written down. They believed them on faith. They believed that these men that had written down these words and said this is from God and then had been kept by his people and written down on scrolls and passed down through the centuries, they believed that those were from God. Now, they had some source for that, too, because way back in the time, their forefathers had seen the glory of God come down on Mount Sinai, had seen Moses come down the mountain with the tablets written with the very finger of God. So they had seen, they had seen some things. They had seen the waters open. They had seen manna rain from heaven for 40 years. That had been passed down for a long time, though. That had been thousands of years, sorry, a thousand, a thousand years and change since that had happened by the time we get to Peter growing up before he met Jesus. And they've been passing these things down, all the words of the Scripture. And he says, but now, now that we saw Jesus himself come down, and we saw him validated with the voice from heaven, and we saw him do all the miracles, that he said, this is the sign that God has come among you. These are the signs that God is here, that, I have, that I'm, I'm bringing God himself to this earth. I'm bringing healing and life 
to this earth. I am bringing the forgiveness of sins to earth. I've come to get you, and I'm showing it with power. The miracles were not just a sideshow for Jesus. They were signs of his power. They were signs of his authority. But you needed it all. It all has to go together because, you know, even the miracles, you're like, well, maybe they were tricks. People still say that today. Maybe he was just doing a little bit of sleight of hand. Maybe he was just a bit of a magician. They, they, you know, they were a little bit more open to magicians back then. And Peter says, no, all of this fits together. We had the prophets that Jesus affirmed pointing forward to him. Jesus had explained to his disciples in his last days and after his death, before he went up to heaven, how everything in the Old Testament fit together to point forward to him. And now Peter, some 30-ish years later, something like that, Peter's looking back at all this and like, man, it really does all fit. It all fits together. And so we can look at the whole Bible, all of it, every word of it, and say, this is the word of God that is preserved for us. The linchpin that it hangs on is the reality of Jesus' life, the reality of his existence, that he came down from heaven. He really lived and he really died. and He really rose again. I've said this, I feel like I say this a lot, but it's worth continuing to say that we, because, it, because it is so true. When I doubt, when I wonder, when I struggle with those big questions, I say to myself, well, I don't know. But I do know that Jesus died and rose again. And there, because there's no other explanation for how the world is working than that Jesus died and rose again. It doesn't make any, that there is no way historically, rationally, logically that any of that can be made up. And if that's true, if that rock is true, that Jesus died and rose again, everything else has got to be true too. And I can stake my life on that. We have the prophetic word and it is made sure. And so we can hang our lives on this word given to us. But, but still, but still we wonder. So what else do we have? What else did God give us when he came down? Peter mentions it here, verse 21. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit holds all of this together. He is the one that makes this work. He is the one who is here present among us. He is the one who is present dwelling in our hearts so that we can truly say, as I said last week, that Jesus is within us, that Jesus is in our hearts. Because Jesus said that when he was leaving, he told his disciples, I'm going away and I'm sending you another. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. The Holy Spirit will be present with you all the rest of your lives through the end of the age. As long as Christ's church is here on earth, as long as Christ's people are here on earth, the Holy Spirit is present among us. The Holy Spirit is the one who does this. The Holy Spirit is the one who convinces us that all of these things do hold together, that all of these things work because of Jesus' death and resurrection. When I say it, it's just words. You can take them or leave them. But when the Holy Spirit puts that in your heart, you know it's true. There's a beautiful line in, our, uh, in the Westminster Confession of Faith the document that for us summarizes it in our, in our tradition, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which was written down a good hundred years ago now, um, several hundred years ago. But it summarizes the teaching of the Bible. And we, we, we use that as our, in our tradition, in our denomination, as a summary. And, and like any summary of theology, 
Many people find it dry at times. But there is a beautiful, beautiful part in chapter 1 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which talks about the Holy Scripture. And in there, in good theological form, it defines all the books. It says these are the books that are in the Scriptures, and not this, not this, but this. It says all those things. But then it says we may be convinced by all these aspects of Scripture that it's true. We may be convinced of the truth of this by the majesty of the content and the way it all hangs together. Do you know 66 books, like 40-some different authors, and it hangs together as one story? That's cool, right? We can be convinced of it by all these things. We can be convinced of it by historical proofs and evidences of all these manuscripts. But the only, sure, the only surety we have to know that the Bible is true is the Holy Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit himself speaks to us through the word. All those other things ultimately are our thoughts and our rationality and trying to figure it out. And they put us in charge of making us, do, do we find it convincing? But we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says to us that this word is true. The Holy Spirit says to us, yes, we believe it. When Peter says, I saw Jesus on the mountain, I heard the Holy Spirit speak. I experienced the Spirit himself at Pentecost, giving me the ability to speak in different languages. The Holy Spirit validates all of the words of these books, that they are held together as the prophetic word for us that we can cling to, so that we forget the when we forget the truth, the Spirit will remind us. And so we come together, we come together in worship, and we say that the Spirit is present among us now. And the Spirit is speaking to us now. Say, yes, this is true. So this morning, if you're doubting, let the Spirit remind you. Let the Spirit speak to you and say, yes, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died that you might be forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead that you may have new life in him. Jesus rose from the dead that even if you, when you die on this earth, you will live forever with him. Jesus rose from the dead so that you can forgive others who hurt you. Jesus rose from the dead so that you can live out his life on this earth, that you can live and love and serve. Let the Spirit tell you that today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent us your spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence among us. We thank you that you speak to us through the word, that we can have a sure foundation that we can know that what you speak to us in your word is not just the thoughts of our head, but are the very words of God. May we be convinced ever, ever more and more each day to know and trust in your word, to know and trust the story is true, and to live our lives according to that story. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.